it's like when somebody is, you know, there are four people sitting around in a living room talking and one person's on their phone. Well, yeah, their body is there, but you, you stop even adding them to the conversation because, oh, well, they're on their phone, so I'm not even going to look at it. That's the analogy for a nine that is doing the tasks, but not like engaging in the life stuff. Welcome back for episode 10 of the Peacemakers podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Hager, and today my guest is Emily Wingfield. Emily is a certified Enneagram teacher, and she just so happens to be a type nine. And most of you will recognize her from her Instagram account at Enneagram with Emily. So guys, thank y'all so much for joining me today. And I think you're going to love this interview. But before we get started, I want to tell you about a personal win. Actually, it's two personal wins. So the first one is that this is the 10th episode, guys. And I've been doing this for a little bit over a year. And sure, I probably thought that I would have more than just 10 episodes out, but it's 10 episodes that that I did not have a year ago. And I did it despite taking a little hiatus off during COVID. I got back in there and I kept going. And so I'm super proud of myself and I'm having fun. So I'm enjoying this. And I just really appreciate your reviews and your ratings on Apple Podcasts, and I appreciate those of you that have sent me emails and um, asked questions and encouraged me. Um, So thank you so much for listening. That was win number one. Win number two is that, (laughs) so I've always hated my voice. So that was one of the big hurdles that I had to kind of overcome in putting my voice out here. Um, like I've always just kind of thought it's just so small and it doesn't carry very well. Um, and actually I have a little wound from it as well. So my wound is whenever I was in high school, there was a girl that was pretty popular and I thought we were kind of friends, but I guess we weren't that great of friends. But anyway, I overheard her talking about me and she said, oh yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay has a baby voice and whatever, whatever. And I'm like, um, okay, well, that's awesome to overhear about me. And yes, I know that my voice sounds like a baby. You know, it annoyed me and it hurt my feelings um, because I'm a little tender flower. But anyway, this past week, I posted. So that was like, man, that was like 1997-ish. 19, yeah, 1987, 1998, 1998 or so when she said that. So 20-ish years later, 23 years later, however long that is. Um, who is one of the first people to view a little clip that I put out um, the other day of this podcast episode? It was her. Oh my gosh, guys. I haven't talked to her since high school. And I haven't thought about her since high school, although actually, yes, I have thought about her because she's the person that comes to my mind when I think about my voice sounding like a baby. (laughs) And so I just kind of loved the fact that she listened and I don't know if she liked it. I don't know if she thought, oh, there's the baby voice again. But I was like, yeah, there you go. Listening to my podcast. I felt pretty proud of myself. So wanted to share that with y'all. So we're about to jump into this interview, but I want to tell you if you're not following her already 
online. Um, Enneagram with Emily, you can find her on her website. And her Instagram is the same, Enneagram with Emily. Um, If you already follow her online, you know that she is the queen of analogies and examples. And she's always um, sharing a personal story about something that's just happened to her that day. And so she's not just talking to Enneagram 9. She, 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 you know, caters her message to any Enneagram number, but um, it's just kind of fun to see her out with her kids or, you know, just having a conversation with her husband or with a friend. And she, she said she just kind of makes mental notes of, of things that she'd like to share. And then she, she always posts something relevant for, for people just to, you know, see what it looks like in real time for, um, for people to take the Enneagram and to use it practically in their life. And so she and I talk a lot about being healthy nines and how we can do that and engage in the world. So hope you all enjoy this episode. And so yesterday, what I did is I had your IGTV in my ear and it was just like in all of Emily's IGTV or your, your whatever they call them. Yeah, your, you're right. Uh, your little yeah, all the videos. And I got to hear all of your stories. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and that's I'm like, hilarious. oh my gosh. Like, I think I've been following your stories since like last summer. Like I, I went through all of them yesterday. I'm like, I kind of know, I kind of know Emily. Like, I feel like <laughs> that we've been talking on the phone for the past couple of days, just updating me on everything. So Okay. I'm going to pause on that. That is so funny because my family teases me about this and they're like, Emily, if you ever die, we don't have to miss you because we have so many videos of you. We could just, we'll know all of your thoughts about every single topic. And so they laugh about how I do that, <laughs> but it just, it comes in my mind and then it kind of almost eats away at me. So it's like, well, I might as well just record this video and put it out there. And if if people watch it, it, it might help, but that's I totally, I totally get that. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, and I just, I don't know. I, I like, I like getting inside people's heads and I, I think you do a really nice job of what, well, exactly what you just said. If you're out and you have a thought, you're like, okay, I'm going to record this. And that helps me get inside your head of, oh, this is, this is how I'm, this is how I know Emily more is she was at the park with her kids or she was, you know, she hired a babysitter to, so she could take a walk and <laughs> <laughs> I like you. I like oh, Emily. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I, it's, it's been funny doing that, that people have said like, like in fact, actually a fr- I thought about doing a video about this, that a friend of mine was like, a good friend from college was like, oh honey, when we saw you start doing those we felt bad for you. Like, why is she what? doing it? Like, cause they were embarrassed because they would be embarrassed to do okay. it. Yeah. And then they were like, and then we realized Emily's totally okay with this. Like she's not embarrassed at all. And, and anyways, it, it made me laugh. And it was a good reminder that, that for some people that they would be mortified to do that for me. I'm like, well, it's a thought. And I'm usually, well, I'm very transparent. So I'm like, well, I would say that to anyone. So whether I say it into a video or say it to you face to face, like I would tell you the story and stuff. So, um, People have really connected with those videos, which I'm thankful for. So when we spoke on the phone, I guess a week or so ago, and you were telling me about um, just some of your Enneagram work, I I feel it sounds like before COVID you did, did you do a lot of speaking and like, what was that part of your Enneagram work prior to COVID? Because everything's, you know, through Zoom and online and. Exactly. Yeah. So prior to COVID, I was overwhelmed at the thought of doing Zoom. I knew I should do it, but I I couldn't even grasp or I couldn't even get past the idea of how overwhelming it was. So I was teaching in-person classes, usually to groups of eight to 10 to 15, 
usually women, often at a church. And I taught introductory introduction to the Enneagram classes. And then those went so well that then I taught kind of second level, getting into some of the deeper aspects of the Enneagram. And that's what I was really doing. And I had started doing some one-on-one teaching and coaching, and I actually just did it at my house. And um, that was all going really well as, as well. And then COVID hit and I completely pivoted. I, I tried to do a few classes and I've just realized for me, the the class dynamic on a screen, I didn't like it as much. And so now I do all one-on-one or me with a couple um, together. And I've actually just really loved it. And ironically, now after a year of doing it this way, people are asking me if I'm doing in-person things and I'm getting a little nervous, like, oh my gosh, I haven't done in-person in a year. And then I've got to think through all the aspects, like all the things I used to do with, you know, very easily. Uh, So right now I'm still, and what I've loved about the Zoom aspect is I have people from all over the country. And so I've really enjoyed that. I'm also very intrigued whenever I see nines putting themselves out on a consistent basis. And I was wondering like when you started this, because prior to doing Enneagram, you, you worked in a hospital. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I was mainly a stay at home mom. And then I worked in a hospital one day a week doing guest services. Okay. And so what was that like going from that position to just like kind of being out in front of people all the time? I'm naturally pretty self-deprecating, but I was very (laughs) self-deprecating then of, I would always say uh, anytime I met somebody that really knew the Enneagram, I would say, I'm just like the kindergarten teacher. Like I am just teaching it at a kindergarten level. And then they would say like, Emily, you're allowed to say you teach the Enneagram. Like it's okay. But I always, I like, I wanted to be like, no, no, I'm not trying to take your place. I, I, I like, I like the, uh, introductory classes and that's as far as I go. Um, so it definitely took a lot of courage. Um, and it, it was really once I could finally teach without my notes and, and I still, I still have notes in front of me all the time, just in case, but it was when I could start to teach without my notes and just talk that, and people would then say, wow, you just said all that. Like that was all in your brain. And I'm like, and then I would surprise myself and I'd be like, oh yeah, it was. I was kind of like a baby bird that had to get pushed out of the nest. Cause I kept, I was working at the hospital one day a week and basically I kept having to not be, I couldn't work because I was doing Enneagram stuff. And so finally they said, look, you, you need to pick up more shifts because I was PRN. And that was, I had to make the choice then. And, and it was an easy, as much as I love the hospital, it was an easy choice that I was like, wow. Okay. I love the Enneagram so much. I want to do this. So do you see that in your work with nines, do you see a similar trait in that regard? Like just getting themselves out there. And then once, because I, when I hear you talk about it, that is totally me. If I, I have not had the practice over my life to put myself out there enough to have the repetition of, oh, now I'm feeling good at this. Once I get the repetition and it's in my head, then I feel confident and I'm like, oh, okay. I know what this feels like. So is yes. that a common theme? It is. And one of my favorite quotes was from a friend of mine, um, an Enneagram nine and a client and friend. And she said, I can get from B to Z. It just takes me so long to get from A to B. And that's the, <sighs> oh my gosh, yes. literally what she said, I was like, that's it. And so that's been such a great analogy is it's A to B. That's the overwhelming thing. B to Z, like what? And it's, we nines, especially, you know, we have the inertia. Like if we can get going, we really almost can't, well, we can easily stop, but still like 
momentum is going to carry us. It's that A to B that is just so overwhelming. So a lot of cheerleaders, you know, I mean, trying to surround yourself with a lot of cheerleaders and uh, just knowing that, yeah, that overwhelm is, is just a force to be reckoned with within us. Do you, in navigating your kids, and that was one of the things you talked about through your, your IGTV, is just the shifting of schedules was almost throwing you off. How do you do with routines and when things? It's is- not good. <laughs> when, when, <laughs> when routines get off. Um, I, you know, I think the funny thing about life is like, you just have to keep going. Uh, actually, to prepare for this interview, I was reading. Uh, so I keep a journal on a Word document because I can type a lot faster than I can write. And so I was reading through. I mean, it's like a 15-year-old Word document kind of thing. Like, I have a lot of information or a lot of stories and life on there. And I was like, man, we went through some hard times. I'm just with young kids and schedules, and my older son is very strong-willed, but you just keep going, you know, somehow it, it, which I know is not maybe that inspiring, but it just, even when you don't want to, even when I get overwhelmed, it's like, well, you know, you you get overwhelmed and then somehow you figure it out or you get overwhelmed and then you get a little break for yourself. And it's, um, you just kind of keep showing up and doing the next right. I think I love that phrase, you know, do the next right thing. It kind of focuses your attention too. It's like, for me, I I know Suzanne Stabile has talked about, her husband being a nine and a pastor and that his um, assistant will put like a, a post-it note, like these are the things to do today. Like if I could just have like the post-it note person come and put it here and just focus here. I joke about, so another one of my best friends is a lawyer and she has an assistant that does that for her. And, and she has told, she's taught her assistant. She's like, you are going to have to ask me if I've done something three times and you, and I know I'm the boss, but you actually get to boss me around because I, and that's something I say all the time. I'm like, I just wish I had somebody to tell me what to do because it's very overwhelming. Uh, mm-hmm. Along those lines though, my husband's in self-preservation three and <laughs> he is not bossy at all, but that's, I always encourage people to know what resources you have around you. And so say, like, sometimes I'll say to him, honey, I am so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. And he'll talk me through it. Or my sister's an Enneagram seven. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people in the world want to give out advice. So that that's kind of how I built my business is I would just be feeling lost. And then somebody would say, well, why don't you make business cards? Oh, business cards. And then they'll say, you could go to Office Depot and make business cards. Oh, I could. Okay. So I can execute when people give me those ideas. I was laughing at you also. I think you were reading a Donald Miller book and you're like, okay, how do I do this marketing thing? And so you were do you were like going through all of his, you had all your papers. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so me. Well, and it's really analysis paralysis, which all types could have this, but especially nines and sixes. I mean, it's analysis paralysis. And that's the beauty of knowing the Enneagram is to be able to say that word versus, ah, you're so annoying or whatever. Uh, but yes, I, I had, it. <laughs> this is so, I had intended to do a new website, but to try to save money because I'm self-preservation dominant, I was going to try to do a lot of the text and stuff by myself so that then I could save money. But I just got into analysis paralysis and, and listen to more free webinar or watch more free webinars, listen to more free podcasts, do more research. And I was never doing the darn website. And I mean, this had been months. This is the funniest part. <laughs> I recorded that like a month ago. Nope, still haven't done that new website. But here's, <laughs> but I have a valid reason this time is because I'm going back to school to become a certified life coach. And so I was 
almost ready to do the website. And then I thought, well, okay, I want to wait until I'm also a life coach so I could do a brand new website. Right. Um, and that, and here's a little nine thing though, is, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that and, you know, oh gosh, I still haven't done it, but especially because nines are intuitive. They're not always aware of their intuition. They have good intuition. It depends if they're aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. Luckily through learning the Enneagram, I'm aware that I have really good intuition. And so I often like kind of just check in with my gut mm-hmm. and I, I feel completely fine about not having a new website yet. Like I know that I'm not tricking myself. If that makes, mm-hmm. you know how sometimes we can lie yeah. to ourselves. Yes. Like I just need to do a little bit more. I know that I'm not lying to myself. I'm actually making a good business decision to wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a fine line, but you got to start noticing what your, what your gut is telling. Yes. And me noticing those nuances is when I'm coming out of my head, like I'm getting out of the analysis paralysis. I noticed this in the past few days. Um, cause I have kind of a busy schedule this week is where I'm putting my energy. So if I am, you know, stressed about, you know, making this post or, or a video or a phone call I have to make, my head will be telling me, you've got all these things. What are you going to do? How are you going to get it done? This is too much, but I feel, and I don't know if this is like God or into like, just like me kind of knowing myself enough that there seemed to be this something inside of me saying, don't focus as much on that. And that's, I mean, even saying that out loud, people are probably like, duh, <laughs> like, of course, like, but like there something I was like, oh, should I listen to that? Like, is this like, like me telling me don't focus as much on that or and like even preparing for this interview, I kept feeling this nervousness, but then also this something in me saying like, it's okay. Like ease up there. You're going to be fine. And that is, that's my intuition, but it felt weird to even follow it because in the past I would be like, but no, I got to really prepare. I got to really be ready, like all consuming, but (laughs) I think that's really cool. I'm getting excited for you because (laughs) as you tap into that intuition, I, this is one of those things where I'm like, I don't get it. I don't know how it works. It's, it's supernatural, but over time I, I used to be very controlling about schedules and stuff. Cause I was trying to make sure nothing fell through the cracks and all this. And as I would kind of set an intention and then let go, like it always worked out. I, I, I mean, freakishly like, you know, okay, I have three things to do, but I'm, I'm leaving it enough time. And I think if I could get them all done by two o'clock, I could get in carpool line. Mm-hmm. Like, keep in mind, I also couldn't sit and check my phone for Facebook or whatever, but bottom line, the world is for us. It's not against us. But a lot of times, especially when we are at lower levels of health, we can feel like it is us against the world. And when we kind of loosen our grip and, and yeah. for me, it's trusting the Holy Spirit for other people. It just might be trusting a higher power, trusting the love of the world. And saying like, I'm going to kind of let go. And kind, and I mean, trust me, when I was first starting to do this, I was like having conversations with God, like, God, I've kind of heard about this letting go thing. I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to, I'm testing you on this. <laughs> but then it would work out and just slowly, but surely it's like you get more into flow versus I'm in charge or I've got to figure this all out on my own. That is such a good point. The flow, the, the, like, um, the letting go, um, and you know, that one wing, well, eight, eight and one really is, has that control, that need for control and to be in charge. Um, 
but it almost is the same example of what I said when I haven't given myself practice enough to put myself out there or to be the one speaking or whatever. It's the same type of practice, like practice letting go, practice what your body feels like when you're like in this free fall feeling of letting it happen. Yeah. You know, an analogy, uh, that same A to B friend, she has, she has great analogies, uh, told me it was when we were moving and I was incredibly stressed with all of it. And she said, Emily, it's like you're in a really fast moving river. And she said, and you keep trying to put your feet down and the river is not letting you put your feet down. She said, that's because you need to kick your feet up and kind of lay back and just let the river take you. Yes. It's when you try to put your feet down and you're like, ah, ah. and it, and it worked. I mean, again, like sometimes I feel like I sound woo woo when I say all this, but it's true. Like we were able to sell the house six days before COVID shut down the world. Like everything worked perfectly when I kicked my feet up and trusted in my higher power, you know, and say, and I, I literally would say every morning, like I'm trusting in you, but I am, I am holding on by a thread here. So it, I am not doing so hot. Okay. And I'm getting good. Whenever I really get moved, I get me too. Um, and every day it would work out. And it was never even the things I thought that I needed to be doing, if that made sense. But it all worked out. That, that trusting whew, and letting go is so hard. Well, and when we walk down a path and we did hold on to the control, and then we get to the end of that path and we're like, well, look, look at everything that happened because I had the control. Look, like this, this kept me safe. This kept me, you know whatever, knowing all the things. And so we just practice that so much that control that, um, we start to say like, this is correct. This control is correct. It is interesting though, because when I talk to nines and I hear them talk about their experience, I don't know if it depends on their past experience or if they've experienced trauma as to how much control they are having, or maybe it's just their level of, of awareness that they don't even realize, oh, that's really a control thing that I'm, I'm doing there. I totally know what you mean. And, and I think you're exactly right. It's at levels of awareness and health because that was so uncomfortable and fascinating for me to realize how passive aggressive I was of, oh, I'm not controlling it. Oh, I'm so easygoing. Oh, whatever. Oh, I'm going to get what I want one way or another. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about like, even way back when, if, if my whole family wanted pizza and I was like, I just really didn't want pizza. I would, I would probably, I, I would volunteer to go pick up the pizza. And then on my way home, I'd run by Zaxby's because I had really wanted chicken fingers. Like it, it's that kind of stuff where you're like, I'm not controlling. I'm just getting my own needs met. Right. And that's true. But like, I wasn't courageous enough to say like, y'all, I really want Zaxby's. So I was controlling. That's what it was. Is It's coming to realize like I am being controlling either by being stubborn or just manipulating the situation one way or another. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we're both nines um, slash I might be a six, <laughs> um, but I also have nines in my life. Do you have nines in your life that are like close friends? I do. I love, I love nines. Like I, I feel so chill when I'm around them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that one thing that I, if I, if I had like a group of nines in front of me. Well, I guess, I guess we do. Hello. Hello nines <laughs> out there. Um, like what I want them to know. And one of my, I guess, motivations for continuing this, this thing that we're doing 
is like wanting nines to wake up for their lives. Sometimes depending on their, their level of self-awareness or their level of health. And I say this also saying like, sometimes that's me. Sometimes I'm the one that's like, wake up, Lindsay. But if I'm around a nine that's unhealthy, I'm like, you are so valuable. If you knew how much value you had and how much your importance mattered, you would, you would be doing it. Like, you're just so like, bring yourself. The world wants you. You're, and I think that's it. Not even just the world, but your family and your friends. Um, something I've realized over teaching a lot of people is that we all have our little games we play or way we move through life. And we think other people don't notice it. Like sevens don't think we've caught on that they might change plans at the last minute. They think like when we say no problem, like, oh, good. Yes. I, I pulled the wool over their eyes. They didn't even notice that I changed plans at the last minute. Oh, we know. We just love them enough that we accept it. And we're like, okay, that's them. Or, you know, ones when they come behind you and like maybe correct things a little bit. We know they do that, but we love them enough that we're like, and that's who they are. And they're our friend or our family member. And we still love them. So that's what I would say to nines is we think we're tricking people that like, they don't know that I'm kind of in this conversation, but I'm kind of zoned out and thinking about something else. We're not tricking anybody. Everybody knows that we're probably going to passive aggressively get what we want or that we are a little bit stubborn or not just a little bit that we're a lot stubborn. and people that are not as close to us really might not know our anger, but I guarantee you, you ask somebody that's in a family with a nine and they'll probably be like, Oh, I've seen that anger before. Like, so we're not hiding these things. And so I guess that's one point is we're not fooling people. And also just how much our family does knows that there's more within us and would love to get to see and experience and interact with that. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny. uh, I had this, a story has always just come to my mind and this just happened this morning. I was like, this is perfect for the podcast. So I have uh, something wrong with my knee. And so I've been going to physical therapy, like probably eight or 10 times now. So for an hour a week I'm, or two times a week, I'm with this guy doing physical therapy, but I always have my mask on. So I told him I was doing this today and he, he was asking about the Enneagram. So I said, Oh, go to my website. And he pulled up my website and it has a picture of me. And he goes, Oh, he said, that's what you look like without your mask. He said, I had no idea because he's only seen me with, with my eyes. And I just thought that's the analogy for nines is that people are only seeing half of us or part of us. And when they get to see all of us, it's, it's just so wonderful and they love it. And they, I had so many people when I was really starting my business and just so excited. They're like, Emily, I have never seen you this alive. It is all my family was like, who are you? We love it. We're so happy for you, but like, we've never seen the side of you and we love it. Wow. And, and so that's what I would say for nines is like, you have cheerleaders that anyone that's in relationship with you that loves you would love to see and hear and experience more of you. That's so good. If you were to look back on the last, I don't know, 15 to 20 years. So the Emily that you're talking about right now, that your family's like, oh, there you are. Like, we like this. How would they have described you before? Or how would you have described yourself? It's a great point. Yeah. So the new Emily has only been around for three years. (laughs) Prior to that, (laughs) sweet, nice, um, uh, kind of easygoing, but... I mean, sleepwalking through life is really the analogy I think of all the time. And um, 
I said to my husband, this is going to sound bad, but trust me, my husband and I've, I talk about the Enneagram so much. Like we, as, and that's the interesting thing as I've grown, especially in the last three years, I can have much more honest conversations because I'm not, it doesn't feel like conflict. Like it used to, it's just an open, honest conversation, which means I have a deeper relationship in marriage now because we can openly talk about things versus him being like, Oh crap. I can't say that because she might feel like it's a conflict and I got to, and then she'll turtle out, uh, which is, I definitely used to do a lot. Um, So uh, this is such a nine. Now I've lost my train of thought, but, uh, oh, so I said to him, I said, um, gosh, it's so hard when I'm working with nines to encourage them to, to, to step out and and to really um, engage in life. Because I said, because they're thinking, oh my gosh, then that's going to take my time and energy. And then there might be conflict. And I said, so what I'm encouraging them to do speaks exactly into their biggest fear of you know, all that stuff. And he, and he's, and my husband just without thinking said, yeah, but when they do their spouse, the non nine is like, thank you for finally taking on some of the burden of life that I've been carrying. Mm. And that really hit me because he's right. Like we've had a great marriage. We've been married 17 years. We've had a great marriage, but he carries a lot more of the life stuff because it's too overwhelming to me. I just, I can't handle it. (laughs) Oh, the details. Oh, all the, (laughs) and and trust me, I I do plenty of stuff in our lives and I do a lot more of the emotional parenting than he does. But um, yeah, it's a pain in the butt to deal with the car person, but he's been dealing with them for like, 14 years now, you know, yeah. or the taxes or, or whatever, just the, the minutia that I didn't want to. And so I just stubbornly didn't passive aggressively dumbed out and zoned out. And, and I want to actually pause because it's hard for me when, when I share examples and people say, well, that's my husband's a nine, but he does the taxes. I, I get that. I'm always painting a picture of, I'm sure. Okay. So maybe he does the taxes but maybe he zones out on the emotional stuff or whatever it is. A nine is not fully engaged in life in some aspect, or maybe he does do the taxes and mow the lawn and make all the kids lunches, but he's not actually emotionally there. Like his body is there. Uh, The analogy I use is it's like when somebody is, you know, there are four people sitting around in a living room talking and one person's on their phone. Well, Mm -hmm. yeah, their body is there. But you, you stop even adding them to the conversation yes. because, oh, well, they're on their phone, so I'm not even going to look at it. That's the analogy for a nine that is doing the tasks, but not like engaging in the life stuff. Exactly. I feel that in myself and I see that in the nines that I love. I feel like to your point of saying like when, once we do that over and over like if we're at a table of four and I'm the one that's not engaging. And then, so these three people just continue on with their conversation. They may have moved on to something else. And if I continue to not engage, then, you know, they just kind of come to see, well, Lindsay's just doesn't engage in stuff like this. But then at the same time, I will find myself or have found myself feeling a lack of connection with others and feeling like, why doesn't somebody ask me my opinion on da, 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 or, you know, just feeling like, woe was me. But had I engaged in that moment, I would have been right there for the engagement and for the connection. And 
it's really sad when you think about that, like the, and it's probably that way for every Enneagram number, like the thing that they struggle with the most, if they would kind of like settle into owning who they are or like engaging in the way that they need to engage, then they would find like what they're looking for is right there, like literally right there underneath this thing you're doing to protect yourself. Does that make sense? Oh, perfect. And I, of course, a story just popped in my head. Yeah, so please. This is about the, you know, table of four. So I have a friend who's an Enneagram three and she lives uh, in a different state. And I, we had one hour to talk because of our schedule. So I knew we had this one hour and uh, like a nine, I started asking her questions because I really want, I wanted to hear what was going on with her life and stuff. And I noticed at the 45 minute mark, like I've asked her a lot of questions about herself and she hasn't asked me anything about me. And I started to notice the frustration and not, it wasn't resentment, but I started to be annoyed. I was like, we've been talking for 45 minutes, but I had to pause and think, well, Emily, that's because you've been asking questions because yes. I'm naturally curious. So mm-hmm. she would answer something and then I'd ask her another, I never even gave her a chance to ask me a question. And so I, so I kind of, as, she, as she's answering another of my questions, I checked in with myself and I thought, okay, I'm starting to feel frustrated because it's been 45 minutes talking about her. And I, I could just speak up. Like I'm not giving her time to ask me a question and maybe I don't have to wait for her to ask me a question. Like we're friends. She wants to hear about my life. Maybe she's just not wired to, you know, jump into the next question. So I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to start sharing about myself. And so after she kind of finished, I just started sharing. I said, well, this is what we've been up to and blah, blah, blah. And she was so happy to hear it. And we engaged. Mm -hmm. And so then we finished the call and I was, I was fine. I was, the funny part is as nines, we don't want our world to be messed with, but my world was getting messed with by not sharing, but by just speaking up and just sharing what was going on in my life, we hung up the call and I was so happy to have talked to her and she was happy to have talked to me. And, and ironically, then I still had my equilibrium. Exactly. You, you got your needs met and it only took you just like bumping up just a little bit and saying, Oh, I'm just going to do this for myself. And that's a, a teaching point for all nines is we like to be asked. We want to be asked, but you know what? Not everybody thinks that, of course, with the Enneagram, there are eight other ways to think and not everybody thinks to ask you the question. So sometimes you might just have to bump in and and just share. Wanted to ask you about sleeping, like falling asleep or just kind of sleepwalking through life, that type of thing that you mentioned. Um, How does a nine go from sleeping through life and then waking up Like, I feel like a lot of nines are starting to wake up and starting to be like, oh yeah, that meme totally, you know, they got me there. And that's what I love about memes is that they do that little connection thing that you're talking about. Everybody around us can see what we're doing and the memes kind of make a, a light, like, okay, we all see, okay, the fours do that. The nines do this, sixes do that. Um, but so nines are starting to wake up a bit and I'm just, totally speaking in general terms. Um, but how do they, once they realize, okay, I want more, how do they start to get to know themselves? So like, how do you go from not knowing yourself or not feeling seen sleepwalking through life to, okay, I'm starting to move in a better direction. Yeah. That's so good. Um, one thing 
when I was starting my business and I was feeling really nervous about everything, my best friend had a great point. She said, Emily, what is the feedback you are receiving? And I started to think about it because we all receive feedback of, you know, little text messages or, or emails or just what we're hearing from people. Um, and perhaps no feedback is another form of feedback, but I was getting feedback that everybody was liking it. And of course there are certain people you're like, well, of course your mother's going to say she liked it, but, uh, <laughs> but there are, when, you, when you think, well, that person didn't even have to write me an email and they did. Okay. I'm going to listen to that. Or so notice the feedback you're getting just about anything of, oh, wow, man, you are such a great cook. I, I the way you can whip up a meal is something. Okay. That's feedback. Maybe kind of start looking into cooking or, and it's okay. I think of nines as a jack of all trade, a master of none. It's fine to just have a lot of little interest as long as you're happy. And along those lines, start noticing your resentment and your anger, because that is your red flag of when you're starting to feel resentment and anger, that's your red flag that you're not in alignment with you. So, so that's, uh, yeah, notice the feedback you're getting, notice your resentment and anger, and then as, um, this is more like, uh, learning to speak up for yourself. So this is not as much finding your passion, but, um, you can do these things in very, very small ways. So an example about this is I recently, I have a puppy and I, um, took him to, a, a little doggy daycare place and the, the facility was fine. But when you open the door, like it just reeked of urine. And I was like, wow, that's, I mean, it was really bad. And it was very off-putting. And of course, I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't want to, you know, say so. I, like saying something face-to-face felt too scary to me. Um, and I, but at the end of the day, I got an email that said, we'd love your feedback about your dog's day with us and stuff. And I almost deleted it, even though I knew that I had been really grossed out by that. And I thought, Emily, this is a perfect opportunity for you to give negative feedback, which kind of makes you feel bad because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, give negative feedback. And then it's like practicing the muscle of lifting weights. So I practiced that and I was able to write an email that was critical or, you know, barely, I still couched it with like, my dog had a great time. I know y'all work so hard. Your lobby smelled like urine. Thanks so much. You know, I mean, like I still was really nice about it, but that's what I start to do. Like, you know, if the waiter brings me the wrong food, I'd out say, actually, I didn't order this versus just eating it. Like I used to. <laughs> Even though it seems small, it builds up. Like if over a week's time, every day you've done one of those little small things, then mm-hmm. you don't have an angry weekend. You're not like, oh, the urine or, oh, my <laughs> meal. Like, and, and I think that we don't give credit to how much those little annoyances like build up in us. Like they just kind of like a bucket of turmoil or a bucket of like dissatisfaction. Yes. And how yes. that can just come out of us. In fact, along those lines, I've grabbed one of my favorite things, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to teach you about something that Suzanne Stabile says, which is she, uh, she has said, she's like, you know, 60% of the time nines really don't care about certain things. They're like, yeah, whatever. But then 40% of the time they really do. Mm-hmm. And if they, if it's one of the 40% and they do care, but they don't say anything, that's where the resentment builds up. And then enough times of you not saying anything in the 40% range 
is then the resentment builds up and then that's when you eventually explode. And so that's what I teach nines is you don't have to stand up for yourself all the time. And also, cause I know you wouldn't, but 60%, you can check yourself. Like, wait, is this the 60% of the time or is this the 40%? And, and this even helps in relationships that you, so when I tell my husband, I don't care where we go to eat or what, where we pick up food, he could even say like, is this the 60% or the 40%? And I can be like, no, no, really, this is the 60%. I really don't care. Yeah. Or if I'm hemming and hawing, he can be like, is this the 40%? And I'm like, yes, I really, I really do want Chick-fil-A tonight. <laughs> One of your top selling points for me, whenever I think about people coming to you or just why I enjoy like interacting with your social accounts and, and just talking to you and getting to know you is that you, um, I think nines and sixes, and maybe you said this can be self-deprecating or that you could be self-deprecating. Like you are, you show people that a better life is possible and it's not perfect and you're not perfect. And we're just trying, like, we're just trying to do the best we can and I feel like you bring that, you bring, bring such a kindness that it feels easy to want to like open up to you and talk. So well, thank you very much. How can our listeners find you? And um, like what, if they were to reach out to you, what would like a first session look like? Great. Yeah. Uh, so the two best places are my website, which is enneagramwithemily.com or uh, I'm very active on Instagram, uh, which is also Enneagram with Emily. Um, I love doing one-on-one coaching sessions and I have two different packages. I do just a one hour thing, which is $125 an hour, or I do a five hour package, which is five individual hours, uh, but for $575. So it's a savings of $50 and those don't expire. You can, you book online. Uh, if you're watching us over uh, on YouTube, I do it over Zoom, just videos like this. As you could tell, again, if you're watching over YouTube, I use lots of teaching tools and uh, I share PowerPoints that have fun cartoons and different images that help teach things. I also send out handouts and uh, it's just, it's great. I often people sign up for, you know, five sessions. And then after that, they might do, you know, a tune up or, or they'll even say, because after each session, I send, you know, podcasts and handouts and they'll say, okay, I'm going to take a month off. I'm going to read through all this. And then I'm going to come back with a list of questions. And yeah. that's totally fine. I, yeah. I, that your, it's your hour, however anybody wants to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, oh, it's, it truly is the highlight of my life to get to teach the Enneagram and help people just realize all they have to offer the world, you know, as a nine and, or as any type, but just mm-hmm. It, the, so the tagline for my business is learning the Enneagram will increase your compassion, decrease your frustration and improve your relationships. Mm. And that's the greatest part about it is yeah. that's the feedback I get. People are like, yeah, I'm just not so annoyed by other people or I'm more engaged in life. My, I'll, And the coolest part is when people say like, my spouse has noticed something different or my coworkers have said like, what are you doing differently? Something's different. 